Hello, Restoration Church. It's Nathan and Joey here again, continuing our little series on spiritual warfare. And so uh, you might be asking, why why this series? So Nathan, let's answer that question. Why this series? Uh, so I think one of those things is because we, we don't really talk about this explicitly enough, perhaps. Yeah, it's all over the scriptures. I think as I've studied it in recent months, I was, I've been surprised at the pervasiveness. It's all over the place. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so uh, I think just, if nothing else, helping us be alert to the way the evil one seeks to take us down. Mm-hmm. You know, First Peter 5.8 says he's, he's prowling around like a roaring lion looking to someone to devour. Yeah. Yeah. Scriptures talk about the armor of God, putting it on. So, yeah, and we do spiritual warfare. It's not as though we have an address. Every time we speak the truth, we're counteracting. We're, we're going to war. But Yeah, every but, time you call for joyful obedience, it's a spiritual right. act that's of right. warfare. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but you see, I think sometimes it can be helpful to use that language of spiritual warfare to yeah. bring to reality what it is we're doing yeah. in the Christian life. It's the same, it's the same thing that, you know, the Allied armies, uh, Allied armies did back in World War II when they wanted to know who their enemy was, what kind of uniforms he had on, how did they fight, you know, where were they going to be. What kind of weapons might they use, et cetera? And that was going to make them better in their offense, right. uh, in their attacking, in their warfare. So it's not just the giving to the truth. It's good to be aware of how the enemy might attack us. So that's why we're doing this, trying to be a little more clear about it. And last episode. So this is episode number two. Yeah, so if you haven't listened number two. to the first one, you might want to go back and listen to that one. That's right. And if we were to encapsulate all of that, uh, we said that there's common, at the heart of the warfare, the evil one is trying to get us to believe these lies. Uh, well, next episode, we'll talk a little bit more about the goals of things. But at the end of the day, we see that spiritual warfare is common. Uh, in other words, it seems to be happening a lot. It seems to be warned a lot. Virtually every New Testament epistle uh, is warning us of this. Jesus is constantly warning us of this. And then also we saw that uh, the this warfare will oftentimes come in unnoticed. So lies and things will come in unnoticed. It's not going to be easily recognizable. I think most of us think that like, oh, we look at the Jehovah Witnesses and say, yes, that's wrong. And that's true. There is a lot of deception there. But oftentimes we're going to find that it could even be happening in our own midst inside the church. They're going to creep in unnoticed. Not going to be easily seen. Scripture says he masquerades as an angel of light. Light. Yeah, 2 Corinthians 11. We learn about wolves and sheep's clothing and things like this. And then finally... Uh, the places at which they're going to come in, as we mentioned, is among the church. So they're unnoticed around the church oftentimes, and it's common. It's not uncommon. So, so today, uh, let's, let's ask the question, what is the end or what is the goal of this warfare, and how does Satan try to take us down? So yeah. yeah, so if, first off, let's understand these words that we use a lot, temptation, trials, tribulations, these kinds of things. So we should ask the question, is God in this, right? Is God part of trials and tribulations? Is he bringing that? Is it always right to go to think that every single time bad something bad happens, it's always Satan? Right. And I think the answer to that is... He is part of it. He's yes, got to be. He's got to be. If right? he's, he's sovereign. If he's not sovereign, he's not God. Yeah. And so he's right. part of it, but it doesn't mean he's part of it like Satan is part yeah. of it. Two or, different ways. Yeah. yeah and so if you were to, ways. if someone were to ask you, Nathan, well, what is God's part? What is he trying to do? Or what is he, uh, what is his goal in our, our temptations, our trials, those types of things? Yeah. His purposes are different because they are, uh, they are not malicious, but they are a benevolent good 
thing. So they're trying to seek good out of us. They're not trying to, as it relates to God's angle, when he brings about trials and tribulations. We can think about Genesis 22 and Abraham and Isaac. We can think about the testing of additional additional manna that's given to Israel in Exodus 16.4. And, of course, the famous example of Job. And so in God tempting or bringing trials uh, or testing, we might say, his ends are different than the evil ones in that they are good. That's right. He's trying to bring us towards good. And we think about Paul, even in, in 2 Corinthians, where he talks about the pleading of the thorn to be removed from him. Yeah. He says, a messenger of Satan. That's right. Yeah. And yeah. God says, no, my grace is sufficient for yeah, you. To teach you that you know, my grace is sufficient to you. So we, we need to mention James one thirteen here because he's very specific about this thing we're talking about. James one thirteen says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So that really is a verse to just say what we just said already. God is unable to be lured into sin himself, therefore God is unable or unwilling to lure us into sin. So his testing, his trials in our lives are not meant to lure us into sin, they're meant to lure us into beauty, delight, good obedience. That's right. So I said that the yeah. the tempting, the the testing, the trials from the Lord's angle are to build mm-hmm. our faith. So should we ever say God is tempting me in the sense that we are, and by that we mean that he's luring us to possibly do evil? No, unless yeah. he's trying to build our faith. So I think it's yeah. all that the end, the motivation of. So he's never, he's never being capricious. Yeah. He's never being malicious. Yeah. He's always being good and gracious yeah. in whatever acts he causes or allows. So, whatever your theology is yeah. there, he's always yeah. benevolent and good and gracious in those things. So we should never doubt the heart of God toward us. Yeah. So this is why we have so many words in the New Testament about rejoicing even in trials and tribulations, for they result in good things. Romans 5, 3 to 5 talks about this. Romans 8, uh, James 1. Uh, so that's God's angle on the kind of warfare, or the trials and tribulations and the tests. Right, to build us up that we might enjoy him more, which is right. completely different from the evil ones. Angle. Yeah, and that's where we're going to spend our time. That's yeah. what we're thinking about, the spiritual warfare. The evil ones, his intent is entirely the opposite, right? To take down. You can go straight to the garden, Genesis 3. What's he trying to do in the garden, Adam and Eve? Get him to not believe the truth. So there's his goal. Right. His his goal, the evil one's goal in spiritual warfare is to get us to believe lies about God for the end of not trusting or treasuring him in our obedience. Or to say it simply, we just live in sin and doubt or disbelieve God. That's right. So he wants to whereas God wants to build our faith, Satan essentially wants to break it. Yeah. And so that we doubt God and his character and so forth. Uh, and so is one of the, one of the things we think about there is we can think about the story of, of Job. Mm-hmm. I actually just read this in, in my own personal time. And so at the very beginning of Job, Nathan, what happens? Yeah, Satan, you know, Satan's sort of God prowling after, around, yeah, prowling around and God's like, what you up to over there, Satan? He's like, I'm, you know, just hanging around the world, just going around. And the Lord says, well, have you thought about Job? Uh, and, uh, Satan goes, well, stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. In other words, Job's saying, listen, he's got it easy. So of course he loves you. And so therein you see Satan's intent. He wants us to curse God. Now, that that may not come by explicit cursings to God. It may come by our just living in unrepentant sin, and in that way we're cursing God. And therein we see Satan's intent. 
Yeah. And of course, we have the Lord gives boundaries to Satan in the book of Job, right? So sure. We yeah. learned that's still the case. And he all says of our... you can do this, but don't do this. Do right. this, but don't do this. That's but right. yeah, he he allows mm-hmm. quite a bit of destruction in Job's life. He sure does. He sure does. Uh-huh. He sure does. And so God, again, we see there. God has benevolent pur- purposes, good purposes. The evil one has evil purposes, and that's what we're seeking to define. So the goal of spiritual warfare as it relates to the evil one is to get us to live in unrepentant sin that we might not trust and treasure God. So what are some ways, so we know that's the goal. So let's talk about, you mentioned earlier about how we need to know what the enemy looks like. Mm -hmm. We need to know their battle plan in order to uh, see it and recognize it and and fight against it. Uh, And So what are some of the ways that Satan begins to Go to war with us. Go yeah. to war on our souls. Battle for our affections that we would doubt God and his goodness. What are some some primary ways God, uh, Satan begins to do this? Yeah, kind of two main battlefields, right? There's kind of the internal and the external battlefields. you got the internal benef- uh, battlefield of personal sin inclinations. There are things that, Joey, you're tempted to that I'm not and vice versa. And then there's then there's yeah, a even, co- even on my internal part, I'd also suggest our own dispositions, not just sinfully, but even yeah. like I might be more self-critical right. than somebody else or whatever. And Satan can yeah. use those things to t- make us doubt God. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's exactly so. right. Satan is not going to tempt me into being idolatrous towards Alabama football, <laughs> right? I do not like that. So he's not going to tempt me in that way. But Tennessee football. But Tennessee football, he knows that inclination and he may use it. I mean, we laugh, but it's, it's a possibility to create an idol out of it. So, and then we get that. That's the internal one battlefield. And then there's an external battlefield that the Bible talks a good bit about. You know, when the Bible says, do not love the world, you know, so, uh, the world is that sort of big mechanism of society. Mm-hmm. So personal sin inclinations, that's the internal. External is society. And in those two realms, the internal and the external, sin inclinations and society, I think he has four sort of uh, goals therein to get us to just to uh, believe lies so, and walk in sin. What would be the first? What, what would you place in the first category of that? Well, the first thing I think that he tries to get us to do is he tries to crush us under hardship or pain. Uh, again, we can bring up the story of Job here. Such an easy one to do. Job went through a lot of difficulty, right? Uh, we've already referenced First Peter 5, 8, the devil prowls, resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Mm-hmm. So there we have a connection between the devil prowling and in verse 9 of First Peter 5, uh, this idea of suffering amongst Christians. Another one, Revelation 2.10, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, this is Jesus, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. So Satan's going to use uh, in both the internal and the external, the world and our personal sin inclinations, difficulty, strife, hardship, in order to get us to believe lies about God and live in unrepentant sin that we might trust not more. We might not trust him or treasure him. So why is it important that we, we recognize that real quick? Why is it important that we understand we are going to suffer in this life. Well, I think so we fight well and not, you know, and not be surprised by this. The Bible is it's so strange to me. You know, and I, I'm, this is true of my own life, but like we are so as Americans, we're so used to being comfortable and having everything we want. Anytime the slightest bad thing happens, it's strange, but we Christians can go, what is this? This seems odd. Is God against me? When the Bible is so clear that suffering is a part of the Christian life. It is. 
It is. So we, I mean, it might be a loss of a loved one. It might be a loss of a job. It might be your loss, own. Yeah. Relationship, maybe. Relationship, personal, um, um, own medical, chronic illness, whatever the case may be. That, I mean, the, the list of sufferings can go on. But in those times when we are wounded, yeah. that is when Satan and his minions can come and is God really good? Yeah. That's exactly right. Is God really good? That's right. Yeah. And make us tempt. So that's yeah. just the circumstance. Be alert. That's right. Suffering in circumstances would be one way yeah. he would attempt. What's to. another way? Uh, I, I think the, the other one is, is these, these internal desires that we may have, mm-hmm. uh, even desires that are perhaps in and themselves good. Right. But it doesn't mean just because a desire is good, we should act on it in the way in which we want. Yeah, and think of Jesus in the, uh, out, you know, he's fasting in the desert and how does the, uh, evil one tempt him? Yeah. He tempts him with, Bread? Yeah, bread's good. We like bread. Right. He God t- even tells us to eat bread in the Lord's Supper, right? He tempts them with authority, yeah. and authority in of itself is not bad. Yeah. And so these ways that we can think about uh, the way that that we are are tempted, and so um, th- there's a there's a host of ways. Again, it's going to be depend on the person, and sometimes it's going to be depend on the seasons of life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can be we can be tempted with sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. We can be tempted with greed or materialism. We can mm-hmm. be tempted with gossip. Uh, we can be tempted with our own personal preferences. Yeah. That when our personal preference becomes and takes more priority than the gospel, Satan can use that to make us dissatisfied with yeah. good things. And that's a huge one as it relates to that external. You know, we think about the society, the world, the way this, the way Satan uses the world. So we live in a society that has all different kinds of things that it values. And it's pressing that stuff in on us in the movies we watch and the music we listen to. Uh, to the education we get, you know, at the university or even high school or grade school. All of the Satan's using all of those. There's kind of mores. There's ideas that are being penetrated. Satan's using in those uh, devices to get us to believe lies about God and so as to not trust him and treasure him and live in sin. And that creates, if we're not careful, if we're not alert, that we're going to start living in those likes and dislikes because that's what American society, I think, in particular is getting us to live into. This is not as big a deal in, let's say, you know, Afghanistan. But here, the idea of society that Satan uses, live inside of your likes and dislikes. Yeah. Live inside of those. You should affirm this. Don't let anybody tell you that those are wrong. That's right. And, and I think we see it in these other areas as well, whether it's sexual immorality or greed or gossip. Though, In some ways, the world around us is going to say those are good things to do. Mm-hmm. It's going to promote materialism and happiness through stuff. It's going to promote, you know, you aren't yourself unless you're really, truly fulfilling your sexual desires. Those yeah. types of things are going to begin to press in on us. And so we have to be careful. Where is it coming from? Yeah. As you said earlier, sometimes it creeps in unnoticed. That can come from yeah. the church. It can also come from Netflix or whatever the That's case right. may be. That's right. could be all so. different kinds of place. Yeah. You've got to be very alert. All right. So, yeah. they, so he, suffering, hardship, pain, our own natural desires. Uh, what's another way? Yeah, this is this is a big one for us too. Even in a society that works a lot, like a lot of the, our listeners do, uh, I think he tries to make us complacent or careless uh, or self, even self-assertive, sort of idleness and even a kind of assertion that is individualistically motivated. So if he can just, you know, y'all, you've heard that old line, the idle hands of the devil's workshop, right? <laughs> Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. So, uh, so in other words, he's saying, like, don't be complacent in the midst of trying to rescue somebody. Be aware you might get caught up in this as well. 
Don't be idle. Ephesians 4.27, so clear. Give no opportunity to the devil. So we got to be very alert uh, and not idle and complacent. There are not morally neutral places, generally speaking. So Netflix is not an idle, morally idle place, right? There's all kinds of messages. Idle meaning I-D-L-E. Yeah. That's right. Well, I guess it, <laughs> it could, could be, be the other two. That's another kind of warfare. <laughs> That's it? right. It is. It is. Yeah. But I think that, so I think there's the balance of there of, you know, as we talked about last time, I got to suspect everybody of everything. No, yes. we're not saying yeah, that. Yeah. But just have a filter yeah. that asks, what is this trying yeah. to teach me? I can't just passively receive everything. I need to at least mm-hmm. ask some questions mm-hmm. to understand what is happening. And so the complacency of, you know, so I've had to to stop watching certain shows because I've asked questions. Other shows, I can watch it, but I've got to understand yeah. what's happening to me. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. It, it just right. goes back to that simple thing that Paul told us, Paul told us and Jesus told us, just be alert. Right. We're not saying don't be a schizophrenic where you're always scared to death about everything. Just be alert. Just be aware. And what the evil one tries to get us to do is he gets us complacent so that we're not alert and we just consume stuff without realizing what it's doing to us. That's right. So we can watch things and, you know, we watch. We have gotten so used to seeing, let's say, language, really bad language in voices or violence in movies or something like that. And we don't think anything of it. Uh, but in fact, it actually is doing something to us. We need to be aware of that and know that if we get used to people, you know, using particular language, it's actually doing something to us. We just need to be aware of it. Be right. alert yeah. to that, uh, those kinds of things. So, yeah. So we have the, the suffering, the pain, the hardships. We have our own sinful desires that, uh, and, or even good desires that can become sinful. We give into yep. them. Uh, we have this complacency and perhaps at the root of all these, the bottom of all these, what, what Satan is trying to do is trying to get, uh, he tries to misrepresent God to us yeah. and fill us with false ideas about God's character and his goodness yep. that we wouldn't trust him. Yeah. Or get us to be distracted so as to think kind of look past those truths and look above them. So, yeah, but at the end of the day, right, at the heart of it is misrepresenting God to us and creating these false ideas as to whatever's true. So, so obvious, tons of this throughout the Bible. Genesis 3 in the garden, right, uh, the evil one's twisting truth. Did God really say? Yeah. In other words, is he really good? That's right. Is he worthy? Is he? Yeah. Yeah, we can look at the temptation again of Jesus in the desert. Did the God world. really say? He's basically yeah. doing the same thing. Yeah, and he's even using Scripture. So we shouldn't be aware, we shouldn't be surprised by the fact that, again, people in the church, they're, it's going to be unnoticed that people can take things and twist things to pervert the grace of God. Not deny the grace of God, pervert it. Uh, Paul, again, Acts 20, 29 to 32, is warning the church and warning the elders to be aware of false truth. Uh, I guess that, that not, is true. not false truth. False, yeah. False teaching. False teaching. Thank you. Uh, that, that masquerade is truth. So, so you can't just order any book that takes, that says it's a Christian book or any, listen to anything. Again, we're not trying to create a level be of suspicion. Alert. Yeah. But just, just ask alert. the question, is this in keeping with scripture? Yeah. And honestly, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So there's, I mean, there's some stuffs about, there's some aspects of false teaching that's pretty easy for us at Restoration Church to spot. Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, these kinds of things. We we know by looking at them, these are uh, cult-like recent inventions uh, that are get theology dead wrong. Those are a little easier to spot. 
Some of the more subtle things that we find in false teaching that misrepresents God's and creates false ideas is the more prosperity teachers. Hey, like uh, you see in Joel Osteen, guys like this, just, hey, believe this. If you have enough faith, then God will get you whatever it is you want. That's right. Whether that's health or wealth or whatever it is, there's, there's right. God ceases to be the gospel and stuff becomes the gospel. I heard a clip of a, a known evangelical pastor that uh, actually – uh, was twisting scripture and and telling his congregation to just name it and then it'll be uh, really bad, really unhealthy. Social gospel stuff, so sort of, you know, sin's not what really is the problem here. You know, we just need to be good to the poor and, and kind of uh, clean up parks and that sort of thing, and then everything's going to be great, which, of course, we do want to serve the poor. We're doing a whole conference on engage and yeah. serving the poor, so it's a good thing. Amen. It's, it's just not, not the ultimate thing. That's right. That's not the clarity of the teaching of the Word. And that can distract you from God himself. Yeah, and I think maybe even most subtle that would tip most of our people in misrepresenting God and false ideas of his truth is the me gospel. The me gospel. What is a yeah, me gospel? Sort of everything's about me, yeah. you know, just sort of, you know, I don't like your preaching because— uh, you know, it doesn't have enough personal application. You know, well, did it point you to God? Right. You know, of course we should ask the question, does it have personal application? There's nothing wrong with that. But if all of our favorite Bible verses are how God does nice things for me, you should be alert there. Just be careful. You should claim those. My community group is memorizing Isaiah 4110, uh, where it says, fear not for I am with you. So yes, good to think about self. But we want to make sure and point it back to the truth of who God is and make him the ultimacy. So yeah. we've got to re be really attentive to the books we read, the churches that we attend, the podcasts that we listen to, to make sure that the truth of God is being taught. That's right. Yeah. So at the end of the day, uh, Satan's goal is to get us to believe lies about God mm -hmm. so that we wouldn't trust and treasure Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And if we're not trusting and treasuring Christ, we're walking in disobedience to him. Yeah, yeah, unrepentant you know? sin. So um, be aware of those two battlefronts, the sin inclinations and the societal uh, references, the internal, the external. Yeah. Hardship, difficulty, suffering, wrong fulfillment of natural desires. Don't be idle. Don't be overly assertive to the point to where you're going beyond his truth and be aware of misrepresentations of God. But, Joey, briefly, we're going to do a, our next episode is going to be about that. So let's not leave them in what Satan does. Just give them a few <laughs> ways to fight so they can wait till next week to get the whole rest of it. Yeah. So if you've been around Restoration Church long enough, you know it's going to come back to Bible, prayer, and community. And yeah. it really does. Yeah. It really comes back to regular But it's got to be more than that, Joey. It's got to be more nuanced. Yeah. We've got to have... Surely it's more than just Bible prayer and community. But it's that that's hard. Yeah. You know, as hard. we've said before, if you want to be you want to be radical, read your Bible every day meaningfully, pray every day meaningfully, and then go invest in other members of this church and the yeah. lost around us. Like that's a hard life. And so uh I think being Bible prayer and in, in community uh and, and inviting correction and insight into your life. Mm -hmm. Not waiting for someone to call it out, but invite it and give people that you trust that are in your community group. Hey, I invite you to correct me if you see I'm giving myself to something that's not good for my soul, that I might be giving Satan a foothold here. Yeah. I invite you to correct me. Yeah, that's right. And a verse I like to quote a lot, I think when we think about this warfare stuff, we we think overly, we think too much about the uh, about the power of the evil one. And he does. He has a lot of power. He's called the God of this world. But I love to rehearse 1 John 4, 4 that says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So in Christ, Christ is already won. We are in him. Satan loses. We 
we look to that victory and work from it. Amen. We see it at the cross, yeah. disarmed, and we yeah. see it at the resurrection, yeah. conquered, and we know heaven is coming where all things will be restored and there will be no place for warfare but only worship Amen. of the one true God. And so next episode, we'll then talk about the kind of offense and defense. We'll get into that last point a little bit more explicitly. So we'll think a little bit more deeply um, about how is it we can be defensive against that warfare and how is it we can be offensive against that warfare that we might worship well. Amen. Until next time, Restoration Church, keep treasuring and trusting Christ that your hearts might be full of joy and satisfaction. 